Welcome to the Untangle and Thrive podcast, where we talk about real problems, real clients, and real solutions. Now here is your host, Angela McKinney. Well, hello and welcome back. It's really good to be here. I'm Angela McKinney with the Untangle and Thrive podcast. So I'm in the South. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in good old Tennessee. Ah, thought I would um, do a surprise visit to my mom who lives in Knoxville and I grew up in the South. So if I start to slide into a Southern accent, just know I'm very, it's very easy for me to do once I'm in the South. It's in my body. It's in, in my memory. And I love that part of my work that draws upon the intelligence of the body. So if you don't know me, welcome. We're going to talk today about some brain science around the world of politics. This is called Trauma, Trump, and the Swing Voter. And I know it sounds a little radical, and I'm not going to get into some political diatribe of who's right and who's wrong, blah, 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 the noise, right? The noise of politics, but rather I'm going to use the landscape of the divisiveness that we're experiencing in our country, the fake news conspiracy theories that are so easily gobbled up without investigation, the problems with the system, these systematic issues that are breaking people from connecting, from locating the truth, from bringing more of their brain online, from problem solving, from uniting and from self-leading. We see this a lot, and I see this a lot in my work with families, addiction, alcoholic family systems. I see this a lot with people who are struggling with their own addiction or their only are their unresolved trauma and how to access themselves in more resourceful ways. So I've spent the better part of 20 years learning how to work and reorganize reactive states and belong to life more powerfully. And what I see right now is just tragic. I just see this landscape of tragic trauma and what trauma looks like and how disorganizing it is and how emotionally charged and reactive it is and how shaming it is and how devaluing it is and dehumanizing it is. And it's tragic. I mean, I'm just holding space for that conversation. Why are we here? How do we get here? How do families get here? Trauma is a very insidious, invisible disorder. You know, a lot of people think of trauma being PTSD. And yes, that can be trauma. You can have a bad accident. You can have a violent crime. You could be raped. You could have a story that really at least helps you deal with your trauma or a war or an event but relational trauma is invisible. It is created early in childhood, it's created in family systems, and it doesn't require a big story. It just requires an experience of not feeling safe, not feeling capable of having your own reality recognized, your own feelings processed, your own recognition. So there's a lack of being seen, being secured, and being felt. And when you grow up as a child in a system where you feel the only safety you have is to, to, to run away, to disappear, to shut down, you start holding and recreating trauma. And no one's recognizing it because the adults in the system can't see it. 
So no one's putting a language to it. No one's putting a framework around it. And no one's helping you discharge it from your system. And what happens with unresolved trauma is what we know today is we just keep it in our body and we just keep recreating it. So what's happening over there starts to happen in our money story. It starts to happen in our political story. It starts to happen in our, in our boss story. It starts to happen in our sex story. And then we're wondering, you know, why is our body in this recreation and our brains trying to fix ourselves and we're miserable and we're out of sync and we're out of touch. So that's what trauma really looks like. And it hijacks people's lives for decades. And it's tragic. It's tragic. And what's even more tragic is people don't even realize they have trauma because it's been so normalized in a system We've been trained and taught into normalizing abnormal behaviors. And so then we're just confused. All of our signals are all screwed up and we don't even trust our signals anymore. We don't trust ourselves to know what's up and what's down, what's fair, what's appropriate, what's right, what's wrong. And we're all out of sync. This creates so much suffering, not only for the individual, but for the family system, for the organizational system, for the corporation, for the country. It has this global impact. And it's to me, it's tragic because we can wake up here, we can learn skills, we can untangle, as I say, the drama trauma, and we can start to access more of our brain, more of our capacity to show up and belong in new ways to this life. So here I am driving down Tennessee and, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm with my mom and I definitely was not the person who shares and shared in the political system of my family. Uh, call me radical, call me whatever. I'm hardly radical, but I'm courageous in that I'm willing to step out of systems and I'm willing to look at things and I'm willing to check things out and I'm willing to do the work to hold space for new possibilities. To not know, I don't need to know everything. I want to feel and belong differently. And I don't want to abandon myself because traumatized people have a long history of abandonment. And then they abandon their needs, their desires, and they're abandoning themselves all over the place. And then they're pissed off and then they're justified and then they're reactive. It's just a storm hellball of chaos. So... What happens in our brain when we are unconsciously threatened by a system is that we start to dislocate what is truth. And we start to not know and discern because our feelings are so intense that our feelings become truth. And just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean things are true, but we're not differentiating. We're not differentiating between those two experiences. So when we can't do that, when we're just believing things and they feel true and we we just immediately allow them to be true, then we're in um, a disorganized system. Okay, so that's the same thing about when I was doing the Untangle Method, if you didn't hear the, the three-part series in the beginning of this podcast series. I show you how we discern between what feels real and what is real. And I used my video camera as the thing I untangled because I had so much 
trauma drama around being seen that we need to do this everywhere people just because something feels real it doesn't mean it is real felt real that something horrible was going to happen to me but is that real for me today it feels that this is true but is it true those is it true questions aren't happening in the disorganized system there's no space for it it's immediately automatic emotional unconsciousness and until we start to go into those other questions of challenging and investigating we can't access people our prefrontal cortex it's not happening our executive function is not getting strong when we just automatically believe something's true feel it's true and we don't even question it i had this conversation last night with my mother who's 80 years old and all of a sudden now she believes that dinosaurs never existed there's a conspiracy theory going around that dinosaurs never existed and how do we know if they really existed we can't believe anyone anymore. Well, you can only imagine <laughs> how this landed on me. <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted and yet not at how people believe conspiracy theories. How they just gobble them up and then the brain is automatically scanning for evidence to support this the the conspiracy theory and they're really not available to be sort of to let it go to kind of go oh yeah that's you know that's not true this is not accurate there's there's a reality over here that i really need to to plug into and gosh that means i have to give up this conspiracy theory well what would that feel like if we all gave up our conspiracy theories we'd feel a little vulnerable wouldn't we we'd feel a little oh maybe exposed maybe a little more connected maybe a little more uncomfortable we really hide out in conspiracy theories and we hide out in our delusional sort of interpretation of our unconscious threat responses all the time people all the time and we spend so much energy over there hiding justifying gathering evidence uh you know positioning our state just fighting these ridiculous exchanges who's right who's wrong oh my gosh <sighs> i'm just encouraging everyone to start to see things differently i'm not here to pick a bone with anyone i'm just here to go this is what trauma looks like people this is what unresolved trauma looks like it looks like people who don't feel safe to fully be seen and located and honest and put it on the table and start to be willing to let go of the noise and get creative with solutions come together that's how great leadership is born is the ability to do that it's the ability to self lead yourself into new experiences and then lead others into new experiences so i always say why are we not all swing voters why is it you're not a swing voter and how do you feel about what's your relationship to being a swing voter just check in and go oh what would that do to my system if i became available to swing it sounds kind of fun actually <laughs> i'm gonna swing um right 
right? What, what is needed? And why are you, why are you so attached? What's the noise around being available to be your own decision? Why are we so locked into a party? What is that about? Seriously, what is that about? Well, my family, I grew up a Republican. I grew up a Democrat. I grew up a Republican. Have you ever noticed that pretty much your political point of view, not always, is completely influenced by the environment you grew up? Very few people step out of the system. Why? Why do you think? Again, unconscious threat. It's not safe to leave the system. The family may, you know, reject you. You're not allowed to to leave our system. You have to stay here, even if it feels crazy, even if it feels abnormal. You've got to tolerate it. So we get trained into these systems. And, you know, we're not four anymore and we're not 11 anymore, but we act like it because our bodies still feel triggered and threatened by leaving a system, by becoming available to swing. Oh my gosh, is that available to us? Well, we, most of us make it unavailable because we're operating in this threat response system that somehow we feel that we've got to stay here and be part of our belonging. And I have just, you know, I don't know about you guys, but that is to me not where I have found my purposeful belonging staying in a threatening system because I'm afraid to step out of it, afraid to be really seen and expressed and creative in my own right. So that's what we do. And there's no space in the middle for the swing vote, but what we know in brain science, what we know that optimizes health and well-being and wholeness, what we know is that we need to be in the middle. We need the bandwidth that can hold the middle space of the swing voter, of the person who's available to be influenced, to actually really engage in a curious mind, to be available for seeing things differently. Right? That requires us to step out of a very loud, chaotic system. It requires a stillness inside of us and a curiosity to explore, to not know, to feel with our bo- whole, our whole body starts to come more online and awaken to, I don't know, let me engage. Social engagement looks very different than reactive charge. Your face looks different. Your tone feels different. You're accessing true social engagement, which is the optimal organizing system. It's the system that unites. It's the system that synchronizes and harmonizes. It's the system that belongs meaningfully to life, to conversations, to exchanges. It's not devaluing, it's not shaming, it's not not chaos. So I see this political landscape and all I see is trauma bonding and trauma, 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 just everywhere. It's so sad. 
It's divisive. It's polarizing. It's separating. It's, it's just tragic. And no one gets out of this system by attacking. No one gets out of the system by normalizing and co-signing abnormal behavior. That is a system of denial. No one gets out of the system by thinking they're going to change the world in only that system or change their impact just being there lodged in that system. We don't get ourselves sorted in the system that's creating the problems. We actually have to create and generate a new system. We have to be willing to step out of the system that's creating all the suffering and step into a system that is going to bring, rise, raise us up into new social engagement. So I work with addicts and alcoholic family systems, and I work with lots of people struggling from a disorganized system, not only in their own body, but in the family. And anytime you've been raised in an alcoholic or rageaholic or something's off system, what happens with children is that they're being trained into an abnormal, inappropriate system, and their reality is being diminished and devalued because the person, usually the spouse of the other person, is normalizing the inappropriate behavior. A lot of people think it's the person acting so inappropriate that's at fault. Actually, the most damaging part of that system is the person who co-signs it, who actually enables it, who normalizes it. That's the, the most destructive piece to the system. Because if someone asks like an asshole or if someone's doing something inappropriate and the other person is checking them and saying and standing up to that system, then the kids in that system their reality is, is, is sort of validated. It's very much validated. But if everyone's walking on eggshells and everyone's kind of not talking and everyone's walking around and co-signing and making it okay and the kids feel unsafe and everyone doesn't know what's up and down, then you're training yourself into a, an alcoholic family system and it is incredibly destructive. The, the, the suffering that is generated from that system of co-signing is so damaging to the children being raised in that system. And then they become adults and they've got themselves all disorganized and usually they become addicts and alcoholics or they have money issues or they have debt issues or bankruptcy issues. and They don't know what's up from down and then they take down another family system. And it's just this cycle of suffering. Why? Because the people in the system, they don't have the skills, the courage to locate, to stand up to truth and have the conversations that create social engagement, that create reality. We're lacking capacity, people, to locate truth, to have the courage, courageous conversations and to put a new organizing language around a dysfunctional system or a disorganized system. This is not okay. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That is not okay. You don't get to do that. If you continue to act that way, I'm leaving. Now see, that conversation requires, right, you to leave. 
possibly for you to hold people accountable requires your confidence that you can lead. And because most people don't have that confidence that they can leave, that they can survive, that they can take care of themselves, they collapse and they stay and they manage instead of putting all that energy over into self-leading. Well, what would I do? What would I have to get my shit together to leave? What would I need to do to leave? What would I need to do to walk out of the system? Because that requires strength and capacity. That's where people collapse. That's where people are lost. That's the conversation that needs to happen. Not the one over here, like trying to fix the sick people and co-sign it, shush it away, deny it away, pretend it's not there, cover it up. That one requires so much energy that you don't have any time to figure out how to leave. You have no space to figure out how to leave. This just takes up all your energy. In order to leave something, you've got to start to spend a lot of energy on what would I need? How do I leave? How do I? And you have to rub up against all these threats. Oh my gosh, if I leave my political system, what am I? What's what's, who's going to think of me here and there and there? Do you see how charged it is to leave a system? We don't leave most of the time, people, but we don't get well either, right? Not leaving sometimes not moving ourselves into a better system. It doesn't mean you have to actually leave the family and abandon everyone, but you gotta leave that system in order to create a new one. I always say it takes one person to change the dynamics of a system, and it's true, one person. It takes one person to change the dynamics of a whole system. It's powerful. And when one person starts to change it, what starts to happen if that system doesn't reset, then that person will have to leave. But usually if the people in that system want to reset the system, they will start to adjust and they will start to organize differently. If they don't, what will happen is the one person will leave and find a new, they'll have to just find a new family. They'll have to find a new whatever system that supports them more optimally. But it takes courage. It takes capacity. <laughs> Bless me. So Trump the swing voter trauma. This is what trauma looks like, people. It's very disorganized. It's hard to locate what is real, what is really true versus what you feel is true. It's hard to discern between present and past. We're all recreating from the past. And how do we interrupt the past and get more activated with our present reality? It's really an important skill. You know, the Republican Party of 1970 is a very different party the Democratic Party of right, they're all different things change. And yet we stay so embedded and attached to our old orientations that we're not even in present reality, available to swing, to change our mind, to be different with our political conversation. And we need that, people, in order to to, to create more unity. We 
systems don't do well when we're not unified in the middle, when we're not integrating. And when you're divisive and polarizing, it's all or nothing. It's an all or nothing scenario. We get into the most disorganized systems of chaos, of suffering, of damage. And that's what I'm witnessing. I'm witnessing one of my complex addiction systems just totally gobbling each other up. And no one gets well in that system. We've got to get out of it. We got to start having new conversations. We've got to start finding reality in the middle. And the people of the middle who have the capacity to do this, we have more responsibility to be showing up to provide solutions, to provide connection, to galvanize and bring people together. Okay, so I'm headed back to Jersey today. <laughs> there are parts of the South I absolutely love. I absolutely love my mom, even though we hold very different space and she is who she is and I can't change my mom and I'm not here to change anyone. I'm here to try to stimulate and create a healthier conversation. I'm trying to get out of the reactive states and step into the more meaningful conversations. You know, everyone goes to the extreme, the climate change. We're going to, you know, the world's going to be a disaster in 10 years to, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. You know, it's not about being right or wrong, people. It's about what do we, where's the responsibility here? What do we have? We have responsibility to our planet, to our technology. We have things and we need to be encouraged to make better choices everywhere. That's our responsibility. Now, what is, you know, then you can start to talk about policies that encourage that commitment with the information we have now. What's unhealthy? Well, we know this is unhealthy. It's not a, it's not a question of does climate change exist or not? What can we do to take more responsibility and be encouraged to make better decisions for our life and the future? That's the meaningful conversation. And that one gets lost because of the noise between the two sides. That gets, no that gets lost in the noise of a family where you have one in denial, denying, and one overly charged because of the violations or abuses that have happened. They become so screaming and loud that no one can hear them. And then there you go, you're locked. And the denying gets stronger and the screamings get louder and no one is finding or matching in the middle. No one is. No one's even available for it. So we all need to get out of that system, both of us, both sides, and start to shake it off like a wet dog, shake the trauma off and go, my God, what can we do here to be more responsible and, 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 better lead ourselves and our country moving forward. When families can do that, when the addict is willing to take responsibility, when the family is willing to get out of the noise and look at themselves versus blaming the addict for all their problems or the addict blaming the family for all their problems, then they get well, people. The system heals, but it requires every single person to look at themselves and take responsibility 
for creating new experiences, new conversations, new feelings. That's how we get well. That's how we heal. Okay, people, that was my Southern journey down to the South in this political conversation. Please um, let me know what you think. And again, I'm not here to take sides, but it's, it's, I feel we're, we are at a crisis in a system and we all need to show up for it with more deliberate um, intention and responsibility. Have a good day. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out our life skills programs. We take these creative life skills and integrate them into a practice. Check out the details at www.untangleandthrive.com slash program.